overflowing faith, overflowing hope this month. And here on the third Sunday of the month, the message is overflowing love. Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit will move in this message today, that the words will be alive and quickened to our minds and planted in our spirits so that we will receive the Word of God for life-changing effect, for experience that will bring us closer to you, and understanding that will share the enlightenment of the Holy Spirit in our minds and our hearts that you want us to have. I pray that words will penetrate to every person here, and that the message will be what each person needs. If it's interpreted slightly differently by someone according to his need, then let the Holy Spirit guide that, Lord. But today, we pray that this message will be quickened and enlivened and made real and powerful in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, we believe it. Amen. Amen. It would not seem that love is a difficult message to preach about. So much can be said about it that you could talk about it for a long time and feel that you haven't really come close to covering the subject adequately. So I want to take just a slightly different approach today, perhaps, from what you might have been expecting, and talk to you about overflowing love that that is effective for every person who reaches out and touches God and receives an impartation of the love of God into his life. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 13, which is the last verse of the chapter, makes a powerful statement about love. It says that after all the things that have been talked about in the preceding chapters and verses... And this, is in, this includes all that Paul taught about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and what he carried on over into talking about into chapter 13. This statement in verse 13 includes all of that. Remember that the chapters and verses in the Bible are not inspired. They're just put there as men made the versions available to us so that we could understand and know exactly where to find certain things in the Scripture. It's just, it's just compartmentalizing so we know where to go to certain messages in the Scripture. That's not given by the Holy Spirit. So there's no, there's no uh, totally different message in chapter 12 and totally different message in chapter 13. And that's all made very clear in the way Paul presents it. So this is what he says in the last verse of chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. And now... There remains three things that will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. Faith is our abiding trust in God for his promises. I've already preached on that. Hope is the confident expectation of eternal life based in the word of God. I've already preached on that. And so now love which is unselfish love for others growing out of God's love for me is what I want to share with you today. The love 
that Paul is talking about is the unselfish love for others growing out of God's unselfish love for me, for you. And it's important for us to recognize that the true love is based only in the love of God. The only way that you can exemplify true love is by following the teaching of the Word of God and understanding that that love that God has given to you and to me is the love that we are to share and give and pour out and make known to others. Now this is, I read this, but this is what the New Living Translation says about that verse. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these, greater than faith, greater than hope, the greatest of these three things that will last forever is love. Don't you wish you hadn't said it that way? Don't you wish you had said faith is the greatest? Hope is the greatest? Sometimes the love of God challenges me. I would even say most of the time it challenges me. When I realize that God loves me and I try to absorb all that, and I realize out of that love that God has given to me, He is expecting me to give the same love out to everybody else. I wouldn't mind it if he said to certain people. But he doesn't seem to draw any lines. He says to everybody else. I don't find any exclusions in here. He doesn't say it's all right for me not to love the Muslims. He doesn't say it's all right for me not to love the African Americans. I'm glad of that. I don't have any problem with that because I love you guys. But now the first one I said, I mean. And not only that, there are some people that are just hard to love. And some people, they just want to be hard to love. And they are. And yet the Bible says that we have to love, love, Love and live in love. Because if you don't love your brother, and that's a broad concept, brother, sister, other child of God, other people. First John, read it. It's all there full of it. James, it's all there full of it. I couldn't even give you all the verses about it. I'll just say go to First John and read it. And then when you've read it, read it again. It's only five chapters. I've told you this before in other messages. Read First John. Because if you read it and believe it and do it, it will change your life. God wakes me up sometimes, and I wake up wanting to pray for some of you. And said he's got me praying for people that I would really rather not be bothered with. Oh, excuse me, I wasn't supposed to say that. I'm, I had that in parentheses, I was supposed to leave that out. But, but you know exactly what I mean. I'm telling you that there's difficulty in doing it. But just because it's difficult doesn't mean that you get an excuse. Doesn't mean that you get a pass. Doesn't mean it's all right for you not to do it. You've got to love the unlovable. 
And remember, whoever out there, whoever is out there that's hard for you to love, there's somebody out there in this world that thinks they're great and loves them anyway. I know it's hard to believe, but it is true. <laughs> and so we have got to recognize that if, if we want to move ahead with God, there are just certain things that we have to do if we want to move forward with God. There are certain things we have to do. And, and, and with all due respect, and I say it the greatest kindness way and, and, and the most positive way, sitting here in church is not the whole answer. It's one of the big parts of the answer so that you can hear something like I'm telling you this morning. It's not the whole answer. You've got to walk in this every day, and you've got to let it be a real part of your life every day. It's got to be vital and alive in your life so that when you do anything for God, you do it in the Spirit, doing it knowing that you are obeying God. And when you do it knowing that you're obeying God, then you're living in the victory of the Lord, even when it's difficult to do. I could put a lot of things in that category. I could talk about tithing and giving. We talk about praying. Oh, a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of things fall in that category. But love certainly is there. And love, when you begin to experience it and begin to express it, then it makes a difference in your life. I want to tell you how great love is. I'm going to recommend to you, because I cannot take time, I don't have time to deal with it. But I'm going to recommend to you that you get your Bible this afternoon and you sit down and you read 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Later on you can read 1 John. You ought to read 1 John every day this week. But read 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about, illuminates the teaching of the gifts of the Spirit. Wonderful, powerful works of the Holy Spirit. And then the second part of that chapter talks about the cohesiveness of the body. How the work of the Holy Spirit is all about building the body, not about building individuals. That's why it explains in that latter part of chapter 12 that the eye, the ear, the nose, the thumb, the little finger, the big toe, any part of the body is still a part of the body. Because the entire body needs to be edified in the work of the power of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. And anybody who gets caught up in the gifts of the Spirit and thinks it's all about me... Oh, look, I just gave a message in tongues. Oh, I gave an interpretation. Oh, I prayed for somebody and they got blessed. You've lost the whole meaning of it. It's all about the advancement, the building, the edification, the benefit of the whole body of Christ. And I'm still talking about love because that's what love is, to, is intended to do. So, so the great power of the gifts of the Spirit and then how the gifts of the Spirit are supposed to bring the body together and not separate and divide the body. And then he goes on after he talks now. And, and, and we sometimes get caught up in the wonderful excitement of the miraculous and the supernatural and the gifts of the Spirit. You know that I am caught up in it myself. But I want to maintain this certainty that I share with you this morning. At the end of what is the 12th chapter, when they divided the scriptures and put the chapters and verses in there, at the very end of that chapter, the last verse, as Paul talks about the great mighty gifts of the Spirit, and then he talks about the, the edification and the wholeness and the completeness of the body and everybody being a significant part of the body. 
And then he says, at the very last of that chapter, he says, and yet I show you a more excellent way. There is a way that is greater. There is something that is greater than speaking in tongues and, ter- and, and giving interpretation. There is something that's greater than words of wisdom and words of knowledge. There is something that's greater than gifts of healings and working of miracles. There is something greater than discernment of spirits. There's something greater than all of that. Paul says, there is a more, I'm teaching you about all this, and there yet there is a more excellent way. And then he talks about the cohesiveness of the body. And after he does that, he says, there is a more excellent way. And what is that more excellent way? He goes on to say, starting at chapter 13, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, If I do not have love, I have become just a sounding gong. Just a tinkling cymbal. It's that irrelevant. It's that unimportant. It's just that insignificant. Speaking in tongues, men and angels. All of that is just as insignificant as clapping my hands, knocking on that wood, knocking on this wood, or anything else that that doesn't matter. If you don't do it with love, does that tell you the importance of love? Does that tell you the value of love? Does that tell you how long love is supposed to last? Love is forever. Now there are three things that will remain: faith, hope. And love, he said, but the greatest of these is love. So that love has to go from your heart to anybody else in your life with whom you're in contact, whether you work with them, whether they live in the house with you, whether they're a relative that you have come to despise and don't want to go to the family reunion if they're there. I know that's not true for any of you. I mean, I just said in case somebody dropped in and it's true for them. But (laughs) you have got to live in love. Love will not overflow until you allow it to be a reality in your life. And when that happens in God's love, fills you and fills you and fills you. And the more you decide to live in that level of love, the more God's love will fill you. And the more it fills you, it will bring you to a place of overflow. And you'll know the love of God is precious and powerful and glorious and wonderful because you've practiced it in your life. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing, Paul said. Would you rather be someone who loves or someone who has faith to move mountains? (laughs) You see, we can see the mighty supernatural. But the true, the true power of God 
is expressed in us and through us in the glorious manifestation of, manifestation of his love towards us. And this is why it's so complicated, requiring to love the unlovely. Now, when I say this, I want to try to clarify this just a little bit here. Loving somebody doesn't mean that you've got to go out and, and you know if they see you, they're going to walk up to you and they're going to knock you in the head. Because they promised they would and you know they're the kind of person that'll do it. That doesn't mean you've got to walk up there right where they are and say, I love you, brother. Come it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't mean you have to do that. Because there's some people that don't want you to love them. They don't want you to forgive them. They don't want you to bless them. They don't even want you to leave them alone. If you bother them, they're mad about it. And if you leave them alone, they're mad about it. There are some people that is just downright hard to love. I know it. But it doesn't mean that to love them, you've got to go up and get yourself smashed and crushed. You can love people from afar. There are some people you just have to love them from afar. But here's the value of it now. Now listen, here's the value of it. I'm not talking about falling in love with some of you. Now, I see some of you looking around kind of giggling at each other. I'm not talking about you. You know I'm not talking about that. Some of you are old enough to know better anyway. <laughs> but but, but some, some things you just have to love them from afar. You can't, you can't walk up to them and say, Oh, dear, I've been praying for you and I love you. Well... It would that you could to everybody, but you can't. But here, you, but, but this is what I want you to learn today. Loving somebody may benefit them. In many places, it does benefit them. But the real person who benefits from loving others, from letting the love of God flow, the person who really benefits from that is the person who's giving the love. That's you. You know, it's, it's, it's like somebody holding a grudge, you know. Huh? Well, he offended me. He offended me, whatever he did, whatever she did, you know. After a while, it doesn't matter anyway. You know, after a couple of weeks and certainly after a couple of months, sometimes you think about, well, why did I act so stupid anyway? You know, but, 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 but when it's really fresh and you're really trying to, you're really trying to, and sometimes it's hard. I know it's hard to forgive sometimes. But the person who benefits from forgiving is not the person that you forgive, most of the time, they don't care whether you do it or not. <laughs> you know, not forgiving somebody, you know, is, is kind of like I said, well, done. not forgiving somebody is like kind of shooting yourself in the foot and to think the person that you won't forgive is walking around limping over it. <laughs> you're the loser. If you don't forgive in love, you're the loser. Not the person that you won't forgive. He doesn't care. He, well, sometimes he does, but most of the time, they don't care. They just go on and... Don't even know anything about it. So you're punishing yourself by not exuding the love of God in your life and letting God allow, letting God love other people through you. And the same thing, loving requires forgiveness, and so it all flows together. So if I give away all I have, listen to this next thing he said. Now, if I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Now, the rest of 
the verses 4 through 6, I'm not going to read them. They describe what love does. They show you what it does. They show you what love is. There's one in there that says, the way I put it, there's one in there in verses 4 through 6 that says, I uh, give up the right to be right. I give up, love gives up the right to be right. Did you feel that sharp elbow in your side? <laughs> love gives up the right to be right. And, and that's a powerful statement. And if you read verses 4 through 6, you'll see all the powerful statements that are there. The attributes of love or what love is. It tells us about the way of unselfish, agape, Christian, dedicated, sold out love. And that's the love that we want to have for the victory that we have in Jesus. That love brings victory, my friends. There's a way of unselfish love. You know, I, 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 re, I remember reading a long time ago. They had a, uh, they dedicated a highway, a parkway in Charlotte, North Carolina to Billy Graham. It's there today. You go there and you, you get your directions. A lot of places you go to, you have to drive on the Billy Graham Parkway in Charlotte, North Carolina. Honored son of North Carolina and of Charlotte. And when they named the highway after Billy Graham... The report is that his wife, Ruth, said it's very appropriate to name a highway after him. He's let people run over him all his life. (laughs) And it wasn't intended to be pejorative. It was a compliment. He had lived a yielded, surrendered life to God. And God used him because he was submissive to God, because he practiced love. Because he lived in the path of God. Still today. A great treasure in the kingdom of God. I never heard Billy Graham trying to defend Jesus. I hear a lot of people trying to defend Jesus. They think they they have to take up for Jesus. He can't take care of himself, you know. We got to speak up for him. And I hear a lot of people preach this. Yeah, you know. You know, if you hear somebody say, use his name in vain, you ought to stand up and tell them how wrong that is. They don't care. You can tell them if you want to. I don't have any objection to it if you want to do it. Go ahead. It's all right. But that's not required of you. What required is not to shun them and to back away from them because of that, but to love them in spite of that. You don't have to be responsible for defending Jesus. He will take care of himself. In fact, you just better be praying he'll defend you. He's able to, he's taken care of himself for 2,000 years and way beyond. So he's going to be able to take care of himself the rest of the way. His plan is working. We don't have to defend him. And yet there are a lot of people who feel like if you don't accept what I'm saying, well, I don't, I'm not, I don't have to love you into the kingdom, brother. If you, don't, if you don't believe it the way I'm saying it, the way I'm telling it, if you say things that I don't think you ought to say, and all and on and on and on and on. I don't have to love you. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. I've known people. I'm going to tell you something I, I told here a long time ago. For most of you probably haven't heard me tell this. If you have, you don't remember it, so I'll tell you again anyway. 
a long time ago, I was, I was a pastor, pastoring another church. It was, in, it was in North Carolina. And the great spirit of praise and prayer was moving in the service. God was blessing at the end of the service, the close of the service, that people were standing praising God and worshiping God. And I heard people speaking in tongues and just blessing the Lord. And my choir director was standing behind me in the choir. The choir stayed up in the loft in, in the church. We didn't have enough room really for him to come down. And they stayed in the choir loft the whole service. And she was right behind me at the end of the service, and she was praising God, and I heard her. Thought it was just, I took it to be just praise that everybody else was offering up in the service. It's a part of the worship of the service. And so after the service, I was standing at the door, kind of like I've always done. I went there to speak to people as they go out. Shaking hands with people, and she walked by. My choir director walked by, and I put out my hand. She put her hand, she said, Anybody insults my Jesus insults me. I said, excuse me, what did you say? She said, I said, anybody that insults my Jesus insults me. I said, oh. I didn't get a chance to ask her what she was talking about. Because just as soon as she said that, she... My word would be flounced away, but I should just say, just, she walked away. <laughs> and so... I said, well, I, I've, got, I, I've got to find, you know, this is when you want to check yourself. So I took two people out of the church that I knew were spiritual, knew the voice of the Holy Spirit. I asked two of them. I said, before you leave, one of them was my pianist and another one was one of my main men. I'll come over here and talk to me for a minute. So I asked them as they came over there to me when folks had pretty much left. And they said, so I said, did you hear a message in tongues this morning that I missed? No, I didn't hear it. No, neither one. I said, no, I didn't hear it. So I told them what the choir director had said. They said, oh. Really, I said, "Well, I heard all praise going on, but I didn't hear anything. I didn't hear anything that I would interpret right that pastor. I don't think you missed it." I said, "Well, even if I did, even if I did, I get this part. I wasn't wrong. I mean, I have been wrong before. I remember one time in 1985, I made a mistake, <laughs> but I wasn't wrong on that occasion. I was right on that, and they told me, they confirmed to me that I was right. So I said, so." But if I had been wrong, if I had heard it and intentionally didn't do anything about it, if if I knew that's what was happening and I told somebody else to play louder so we don't have to bother with this, if I'd have been that unspiritual, that misguided, if I had done that, I'd never done that, but if I had done it, I'm putting a big supposition in front of it. If I had done that, who would have been wrong standing at the door, me or her? She was still wrong because she doesn't have to defend Jesus. Certainly not against the pastor. She doesn't have to defend him. She doesn't have to look out for his interests. And after all, I said to you exactly what she said to me. And after all, he, he wasn't that day nor ever has been, not today. He wasn't just her Jesus. When she went out that door as wrong as she thought I was, when she walked out that door and refused to shake my hand, he was still my Jesus just as much as he was hers. And who missed the scripture? Who missed the scripture? She did. I'm not trying to defend myself. I mean, that's done a lot of years ago, and I don't care. To be perfectly honest with you, they didn't care much that day either. She stopped coming to church for quite a long time. She was the loser in it all. We tried every way we could to be a blessing and be helpful. But do you know... 
When people want to be sunk in the wrong, they will stay anchored in the wrong. And sometimes you can't kick them and pry them and pull them and tug them and haul them enough to get them out of it. They want to stay there and nurse the grievance. Nurse the grievance, even if it isn't legitimate. So God help us. God help us. We want to overcome that and be beyond that and live in the victory that we can have above that. And thank God we can. So we don't have to defend him. Everything flows. Listen, everything flows or let me say everything overflows from this wonderful truth I'm going to give you right now. 1 John chapter 4 verse 8. I just told you three or four times, go read 1 John. Here's a verse from it. 1 John chapter 4 verse 8. A part of that verse says, God is love. God is love. And here's the wonderful thing that I share with you about that today. God loves us. He loves us supremely. He loves us above all else. And in spite of ourselves, in spite of all of our unloveliness and all of our unlovability, in spite of all that we are and all that we have been, God loves us. He loves us now. He loves you no matter what you did last night. He loves you no matter what you did yesterday. He loves you no matter what you said to somebody and no matter what you performed in an illegal way or an unspiritual way or an ungodly way. He loves you anyway because that is the love of God and that's the love of God that we're to emulate in our lives and let flow through our lives because when that love of God flows through us, we live in victory. That's the message of the cross. The message of the cross is that God loves us. The message of the cross is that God cares about us no matter what we've done or who we are. The message of the cross is Jesus Christ died for every single one of us and died for our victory and died for our eternal life. And God loves us. Let's take it. God loves us. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So because God loves us supremely, we ought to love God. And that's the declaration of the scripture Paul wrote to the Corinthians. We are not our own. We are bought with a price. That's the love of God. We are bought with a price. And bought with that price that Jesus paid, we have the privilege of living in the power and the victory of God. Glory to God. You today, Because God loves you. Have the indwelling victory. If you stand on it, believe it, claim it, receive it, you have the indwelling victory that the Lord Jesus has for you today. Don't let your own guilt, the nursing of your own guilt about things that you can't help be a detriment to you in your spiritual life. Holding on to any guilt that you you think you may have done and you feel so badly about it. There's nothing you can do about it now except let it go. Turn it loose. Let the Lord take it and bury it at the cross. Let him take it and heal it. Remove it from you. And let that guilt be assuaged in the the wonderful, compassionate, loving cover of the blood of Jesus Christ. Live in the love of God. And that love overflowing is going to bring great victory and great power into your life. If you believe it today, you can have it. If you believe it today, you can have it. If you believe it today, you can have it. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm not talking, I'm not giving marriage counseling today. I'm not talking about partners counseling. I'm not talking about 
I'm, I'm just simply talking about God's love overflowing us through all things and in all that we do. God's love overflowing us. We know, we know ourselves what that means. We know in our surrender, in our yielding to God for that to happen. We know. And that's what we ought to let happen in our lives today. Let that love that God has for us, that tremendous, powerful, overwhelming, overflowing, eternal love, be everything in our lives that we need. Because God provides in his message of love. He provides everything that we need today. You believe it? You believe it? Stand with me, please. Glory to God. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah.